Well, good morning. morning. Welcome from Irvine. Uh, You know, it's always good to travel, and I thank God for the privilege of being here this morning. I had an opportunity to go to San Carlos, but due to circumstances, you're the lucky ones. (laughs) I don't know how, how else to say that. But, you know, I thank God for his blessings in our life. How many of you have a testimony of Jesus Christ in your life? You have a testimony of the Spirit of God moving at some point, sometime, someday, maybe even every day. But you have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his goodness. We look forward to that every day. Some days we wake up in the morning, and like I was listening to our sister in Sunday school this morning, she was saying how she prays first and she talks with the Lord. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, before I get out of bed, I do the same thing. I'll lay there and talk to God before I even pull the covers back and climb out of bed, before I get on my knees. I will talk to the Lord because I want him to be involved in my day. And I look forward to what he might have in store for me. Now, I'm going to make this more for everybody else. Do we all look forward to what God has in store for you in that day? Or is it, oh, it's just another day. Oh, boy. Do we ever get to that point? I do sometimes. And I still say my prayers and don't talk to God, and I still look forward to a better day. When we make mistakes, do we just wallow in them? No. We do try to do a little better. We want to serve a living God who should be alive in us. And I want you to know, Brother Jonathan, I really enjoyed Sunday school this morning. It was a good lesson, and I thank God for that. You know, we all need, I don't care what age we get to, we all need to hear the good things of God. We all need to stimulate our thinking and reassess where we're at every day. So in the process of these thoughts and this song, if you didn't intend to be here, you're here because God brought you here. I think it's a very good, uh, a good starting point. I'd like to read a passage of scripture that's found in uh, the book of Luke. And it's always impressed me about friendships and relationships. You know, we all, who here doesn't have a friend? Okay, well, we're doing good. So we know what friends are, right? People we trust, people we rely on, people that we try to assist and care about people that we show our gratitude to for their friendship and their loyalty. But in this story, it has a little twist. I'm going to read in the 11th chapter. Excuse me. I'm going to read in the 12th chapter. Well, maybe not. I'll get my pages turned right here. There's a story about these friends. And it starts in the fifth verse. And he said unto them, and these are the words of Jesus. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. I'm in the 11th chapter. I'm sorry, I know I bounced. Lend me three loaves. And says, for the friend of mine is in a journey, has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. How many of us entertain friends and family? They come over to your house. How many of us all of a sudden find the pantry empty? What do we usually do? Well, there's Walmart or whatever, grocery store, Ralph's, Raley's, whatever, nearby, we run and grab some stuff. 
In this case, he went to a friend. It was midnight. Let's say all the stores were closed. It's midnight. He goes to a friend and says, please, can you lend me three loaves of bread? Now, in that day, I'm assuming a loaf was probably about this big. We're in modern times. We're looking at a loaf of breads like this, right? So anyway, he, he asked for these three loaves of bread. And he says here, it's going through this story. I just want to read this, and then I'm going to talk on a few items. And he says, For a friend of mine is on a journey, he's come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me, and we're in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. Now imagine yourself standing outside the door knocking, friend, at, a, at the door of someone you know and you trust, maybe even a family member. At midnight. How many of us would dare go to one of our friends at midnight? How many of us would dare to go to a family member at midnight and knock on their door? We don't even call each other sometimes at night unless we have a really good relationship with each other because we don't want to wake the other person up. He's banging on the door, please. I need some bread for my friend. He's traveling and he needs something to eat. And he goes on and says, and this is how his friend replies to him. He says, from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut. Eighth verse goes on and says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now Jesus is telling this story for a reason. You might not have intended to be here, but maybe because of your importunity you're here. There's a spiritual need in your life. There's a spiritual purpose for coming into the house of God. Whether the word that I speak or whether the word that you read or whether you pray or whatever you're thinking or concerns in your life, I want you to understand the spirit of God is here. This is where we come together to fellowship that we would be able to feast upon the good things of God. And we come into the house of God that we would grow in what? The hearing of the word brings what? It brings faith. How many of us need more faith? We can all raise our hands. I see a lot of heads, hands, yeah. We all need more faith. You know, Jesus gives us an example of faith the size of a mustard seed. If I held it up, you wouldn't be able to see it where you're sitting. That's how small. He says, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you'd say to that mountain, be thou removed and it'll be done. I was visiting Brother Joe yesterday. And I told Brother Joe, I said, Brother Joe, I wish I could understand how to wield faith. Because I would say to you right now, in the name of Jesus, be made whole. Jesus expected his disciples on that day when they fed the 4,000, 5,000, and the 7,000, he looked at his disciples, he said to them, feed the people. And they looked at him. They were dumbfounded. How do we feed the people? We have nothing. And then you know how the story goes. Someone asked and the little boy came up with the loaves and the fishes. Jesus expected his disciples to know how. How do we wield faith, brothers? How do we wield faith? And we say, well, you know, maybe it's not the Lord's will right now. Maybe it's not. Maybe God has a plan working in his soul, in the soul of Brother Joe. Maybe in your life, in your soul, in your heart, God has a plan working. So whatever challenges are before you, it's there to strengthen you to know that God will come to your rescue when the time comes. And what's the purpose of this life anyway? Who here wants to live to be a thousand? Huh? huh? Nobody wants to live to be a thousand. How come? This life's so great. We don't want to leave it. Really? 
life for them. For the glory that's been promised us by the eternal God, that if we're faithful to the end, he will make sure that we enter in. And when I say he will make sure we enter in, it's by his grace and nothing else that gets us into that kingdom. Not by my merit or our merit or my brother's merit, anybody. It's Jesus Christ, the grace he gives us will get us into that kingdom. But we have to press forward because grace does not come without faith. It's by faith we receive grace. We have to believe that he is. And we have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently serve him. So therefore we must be diligent in our service. In our Sunday school this morning we were talking about sacrifice. How, how, what things do we have to sacrifice to serve God? My comment was if it's a sacrifice to serve God, something's not right. Because God deserves everything from us that we can give him. If it's a sacrifice to come to church on Sunday, we got a problem. We have to work on that. It should be a joy to come into the house of God. It should be a joy to sing the songs of the saints. It should be a joy to come in and assist brothers and sisters that need help walking in and getting them seated and being a part of what has to happen, whether it's break or whether it's lunch or whatever we do, and then greet one another and entreat one another with the love of God. Because God looks at us just like I'm looking at this man with his friend. God's not giving us anything because we're something. He gives it to us because of our importunity. We're unable. We don't have the means or the ability to do what we must do. So he sent his son that we would have the means to rise to glory. God does honor man. He honors us. You know, in 3 Nephi, I'm going to bounce around a little bit now. So I don't have to flip through the pages. I have a few verses down. Third, uh, second Nephi, second chapter, 25th verse. Some of us know what that verse says. Adam fell that men might be. Men are that they might have what? Joy. joy. Is this life a joy? Some days it's a joy. When I watched my little one-year-old granddaughter come running out of the kitchen, ran into the couch and bounced off the couch and fell on the floor and couldn't get up, she'd look like a turtle. She didn't know how to get up. That was a joy to me. I mean, I was just cracking up. It was funny. She just little scooted around the corner, bounced off the couch, and she's laying on the floor going, oh, how to get up. So we help her up. And then she comes up to me and she goes like this. How many times do we do that to the Lord? We come run around the corner, bump into something, fall down, and we just can't figure out how to get around it. And then we stand before our master with our arms stretched up, going like, okay, pick me up now, please. And then I pick her up and I embrace her. It's a joy. And you know what? God rejoices when we go like this to him too. God rejoices when we stop in our tracks and say, Lord, I want to give you honor. I need you in my life. I want you to expose yourself to me in the way that you're glorified. We, we desire that. So in this whole process of Adam falling, men might be and men are, that we might have joy. Job twice and Psalms twice asked the same question. What is man that thou shalt magnify him? What is man that you should make him clean? What is man that you're mindful of him? It goes through all these things. What is man that God is so focused on us? Why does God look upon us in the way he does? Because he loves you. Can we comprehend that? Do we really understand that? Or we get to the point where, you know, I really messed up last week. I'm not going to church this Sunday. I'm not praying now. I'm not going to read my Bible because I'm a bad guy. We give up because we, we err. But like they say, it's a common cliche. The air is human. 
It's just our nature to err. We are prone and destined to make mistakes, and that's why Jesus came to give his life for us. That by his grace we can find that salvation. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And then on in John it says in the 12th chapter of John, the 26th verse, if any man serve me, let him follow me. That's pretty specific, isn't it? Not do it your way, not do it so-and-so's way, but do it his way. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. Where Jesus is, that's where we should be. When we come into this place on Sunday morning, how many of us believe the Lord's here? Do you believe the Lord is here? Got a lot of yes. I believe he's here. And if he's really busy somewhere else in greater need than what we have, I'm sure he sends angels to minister unto us. So he's still here. Because they represent him. But I do have to believe that God is omnipresent. Jesus is omnipresent. You know how I know that? Because he's in you. And he's in me. He's in these brothers. He's in the brothers and sisters in Irvine right now. He's in the brothers and sisters in San Carlos. He's in the brothers and sisters in Bell, in Yucaipa, in whatever branch you want to call out. He's in them. And anyone else who's turned their heart to serve him, he is in them. And everything that exists, I want us to understand, the Spirit of God is in. Or it would not hold the form or the shape that it is. It could not be anything without the Spirit of God making it what it is. In the very air we breathe, the very life we live, everything we have, God's part of everything. But do we see it? Do we see it? How many of us have ever taken time to go sit on the side of a mountain and watch the sun rise or watch the sun set one or the other? And know that God created everything that your eyes are visualizing. God created everything your eyes see. And then in the middle of that, take the moment to realize that God created those eyes of yours. That as I could stand here and focus on you, I could focus here and not have to even think about it. And in the process of all that, I'm breathing air and my body's consuming this oxygen. And this energy's going on inside of me in this life that we call living. Because of the meal I ate, it's now being digested through my system and I've got strength from those things. And my body's providing me with all the nutrients I need. How it ever breaks it up, I don't understand all that. But God created us that way. It's so far beyond what we can understand, our doctors are still baffled. And they don't know how to put it all together either. So we come into this place in faith going, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He died on the cross for my sins and I want to serve him. Because I know he loves me. And he will see me through. The importunity. The idea of not being able. It kind of frustrates some of us. What do you mean I'm not able? I'm a military veteran. I'm able. I was trained to be able. Oh, how quickly I learned that I am incapable. How quickly we learn how incapable we are. And how wonderful the love of Jesus feels when it washes over us. How wonderful his grace feels when it washes over us. How wonderful all the things we can have in life are when it's in the love of God. 
You know, we serve the Lord to the best of our ability. And I can't judge you by mine, nor can you judge me by yours. That's why the good book says, judge not. But God knows our needs. He knows everything you need. So your relationship with him is personal. Realize where you're lacking and ask for strength. It's simple. It's glorious when you feel the love of God in your life, when you talk to him and he speaks to you. How many have ever had an experience where the Lord spoke, spoke to you? You ever had an experience where the Lord spoke to you? Some people are nodding, some hands, yeah. The Lord speaks to you in many different ways. My brother one time, I'm going to share this. My brother one time was driving down the road and he was praying. As he was praying, he was just wasn't paying attention to a lot of things going on around him and a truck went by. On the back of the truck, there was a big sign. And what he was praying about was the answer on that sign. <laughs> and it's like, how did that happen? <laughs> how did that happen? Oh, it's just coincidence. It's just coincidence. What would it take for God to move the truck in front of somebody on a freeway at a specific time? It's just coincidence. Sometimes... People ask the question, how come we don't see the miracles and the things that they saw back in the days of Elijah and Elisha, the prophets? How come we don't see those great miracles? How come we don't see manifestations of God's spirit in great ways? Because we're not watching and we're not praying. We need to watch and pray. Jesus gives us, gives us that example with Peter. He says, watch and pray for the devil desires to sift you as wheat. We're in the house of God this morning to glorify our God. And he does honor us. He honors us with distinction, privilege, glory, merit, respect, and esteem. He answers our prayers. He watches over us. But there's a product that has to be produced in order for that to happen. We need to have integrity. That you read about in Daniel, Noah, and Job. They had integrity. Joseph had integrity. They need to be honest. We need to be honest. And we find honesty is a characteristic of the things of God, a, a godly person. We must be upright. We must have ethics and morals. But God's obligation to all of this in honoring man is three things. He's to fulfill his promise. He's to observe and he's to keep. Sometimes we get upset at God because he doesn't do everything we want him to. <coughs> Is that even fair? Our God is God. He created. You walk outside, you look. You look at the, down at the ground. Here's what I'm standing I'm standing on the earth. He created it. The one beautiful blue, blue planet in this galaxy, in this solar system, We've been looking. How many of us know that our scientists have been looking for other planets out there? Well, they, they come up with Mars is the closest thing they can find. You know, there's, there's, they, we have no clue. But yet God created all of it. And we look out there and say, look at all this. And then look in here and say, look at all this. Our bodies, the way he made us, the way we heal, the way we grow, the way we age, 
said, why would you say that? Because it's intended. It's part of the blessings of God. If you would have talked to me about 30 years ago, I would have never, ever thought I would stand before you at the age that I am. Most of my friends, young friends that I had, have passed away. But I noticed when I walked in this morning, there's a sign over that door. What's it say? This is what? This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. You're here. You're healthy. If you are afflicted, you will be healthy. God will bless you. If you're struggling with issues in your life, God can handle it. He can handle it. We just have to trust him for it. You know, when, when, when people ask questions, how about prayer needs? Well, the minister will ask, what's the prayer needs? And I hear all the prayer needs. And I think to myself, you know, not one of them is too great for God to handle. And not one of them is too great for God to take care of instantly if he desires to. And sometimes I ask the Lord, Lord, would you just do this, please, so we could glorify you for this? We want to thank you for what you're going to do. Bless the brothers and sisters and give them strength. Honor us as your church. Honor us as your people. Honor us as your ministry. Honor the congregation, Lord. Because we desire to see more, feel more, and be closer to you. And that's what Sunday school was about this morning. Getting closer to God. Putting him first. But there's a thing that I just mentioned called importunity. Our inability. Our inability to be more than what we are. When I was young, I used to think, boy, one of these days I'll grow up. Maybe I might be a minister. Maybe. I didn't know. Maybe I might be a dad. Maybe I might... Have a good job. Maybe I might this. Maybe I might. How many of us know what tomorrow holds? But we're living today. Right now. Right now is your opportunity to look at the person next to you and say, I love you. God bless you. Right now is your opportunity to help someone in need. Right now is your opportunity to pray and ask the Lord to be with you. Right now is your opportunity. And in a few minutes, I'm willing to bet. I don't like using that word bet. But I'm willing to bet this meeting is going to be open for testimony. And I'm willing to say that there's going to be some of you here that are going to just stay in your seat and you're not going to say a thing. Even though you know God deserves the testimony, he deserves the praise, and he deserves the glory. So if you have the privilege to stand upon your feet, my father used to tell me, David, if you have the opportunity to stand upon your feet and praise God, stand on your feet and praise God. Amen. If you have the privilege to glorify God, glorify him. If nobody else wants to take the stand, take it. Because somebody has to praise the Lord. Now how can God, how much more can God be honored than if everyone had a testimony got up and gave it? You say, oh boy, that's going to take about an hour or so. It doesn't have to. But I want you to think about that. Does God deserve your praise today? Has God honored you? Is today the day that the Lord has made for you? Are you still struggling with the importunities or your inabilities in life? Are you giving it to God and say, Lord, I have a need. I'm knocking at the door saying, friend, I need some bread. And the bread I need is your spirit in me, Lord. The bread I need is your spirit. 
The things that I need, Lord, are of you. Give me strength. Let me read your word. Let me study. Let me, let me get involved in what it has. Find something in the word of God that excites you. There's something there for everybody. Sisters, there's women in the word of God that are exciting to read about. There's men in the word of God that are exciting to read about. Brothers, it doesn't matter what you prefer in life as far as what excites you, whether it's soldiers or war or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's in the word of God. Life in general and in total is in the word. So read about those things and get, get blessed by the word of God. I'm going to share this and then I'm going to sit down. The moment Elijah watched Elijah go up in that chariot, that flaming chariot, he said he saw, the mantle of Elijah fell upon the younger, the protege, the younger prophet, because he asked for it. He said, I want a double portion. I'm not leaving you until I get it. Lord, I'm not getting off my knees until you answer my prayer. Lord, I'm not going to stop going to church and I'm not going to stop praising you until you bless my life to a greater degree. Lord, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to set my heart like Daniel did and purpose it that I'm not going to be deceived by the king's food or the goods of life because I want to keep your commandments and keep your will in my life. I'm going to purpose my heart to serve you. Amen. Then all importunity washes away. God becomes involved with you. Elijah wanted the double portion. He got it. The very first miracle he did when he started to turn around and walk back to where he came from, it says he took the mantle as he walked up to the river Jordan. And all the other prophets were on their other side watching. They said, God took, your, God took Elijah. And he says, yeah, I know, just be quiet. It's like, yeah, just be quiet. I don't want to hear about it. But he took the mantle and he struck the water. And he said, where's the God of Elijah? And when he hit the water, it says the water parted and he walked across the river on dry ground. Is that too much for God? But what kind of faith did that man have? What kind of faith did that man have? The people were having a problem with their water. It says he took a handful of salt and in the name of the Lord threw the salt in the water. And the water became sweet. And then 52 guys got mad at him because they made a living by carrying water down off the mountain. And they started cursing him and cursing God. So what's he doing? He looks at him and says, well, they let the bears come out of the forest and devour you. 47 of them were killed by bears. Read the stories. There's, they're exciting stories. Second Kings, read it. All the things that the prophet did. Read the word of God. You can read Isaiah. You say, well, you know, that's kind of boring. You read Ezekiel. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of boring. Somehow, someway, we got to get off the boring thing and get into reading the word of God. Because it takes that importunity, our inability to know who God is, and it changes it to know who God is, so we're not so deficient in the things of God. Study the Word. Pray. Make time for it. And I guarantee you're going to enjoy the time you spend in it. May God bless you is my prayer. How many enjoyed our brother? Amen? Beautiful. Um, I, I think it was right in line with our Sunday school this morning and it's just a continuation of, of God speaking to us. Um, I, I don't know, you know, in my profession, uh, and I do many things day to day, but one of the most important things I do is I sell every day. Anyone ever sell in here? Raise your hand if you've ever sold anything. No, I mean, it's okay. Good. I tell my folks in sales training 
the greatest word in sales. It's a three-letter word. Micah, put up the scripture, and let's go to the, is it the ninth verse, that chapter, 11.9. Let's see if I remember that. If not, we'll find it. We're seeing this verse. If you could see what the greatest word in, the, in, in sales is in that, in that uh, verse. By the way, I'll give you a, an example, or I'll give you a hint. It's capitalized. Why do you think it's capitalized in the King James Version? You think that's by accident? Emmett's saying, yeah, it's by accident. <laughs> it's a coincidence. What's the, uh, what is the greatest word in helping someone close a sale? Ask. You'll have salespeople, you know, David, they'll, they'll pick up even a broom in the sales office. You know what? Um, the the uh, office needs swept. So we're going to go ahead and just sweep the office instead of picking up the phone and asking for the order. Well, this whole concept of importunity is a prayer that is never ending. It is constantly pestering the Lord to where because of your pestering, the Lord finally surrenders and says, I'm answering. But you know what first? I used to go sell and this customer would just bring me through a knot hole, right? pull me right through a knot hole. Don't you, don't you know I've got the answers for you? Ah, come back next week. Come back next week. Come see me next week. Six months go by, and you know what? I gotta put food on the table. You think I have a need? Can you imagine if I approached a customer and I asked once, I asked twice, I asked three times, I gave up. You think he's going to give me the order? To the buyer that really wants to see if you're going to take care of my need, he might make you ask for six months. Are you? Look at David shaking his head. You love it, right? By the way, if you ever listen to Zig Ziglar, okay, he's probably one of the greatest Christian sales teachers that I've ever listened to. And it's all scriptural based. God wants to see. You know, one time you might say to yourself, Lord, what's the, what's the delay? Why are you taking so long? He wants to have pleasure in seeing that you've exhausted everything. There's nothing else I have left but you, Lord. Then the Lord's answer comes. That's what Brother David was saying. You know what happened in this beautiful parable? That friend knew his, his friend had bread. And he had a need. He knocked once. Oh, you know I'm asleep with my kids. He knocks again. Did you hear what I said? I'm not going away until you give me that bread in the pantry because I'm in trouble. Finally, he gets up. Okay? When he's exhausted all hope, the man gets up just to shut him up. Well, that's not what the Lord does to us. He wants to see that I'm not double-minded and that I don't have somewhere else to go. I've only got you, Lord. It's all I have. And so, my brothers and sisters, that is really what we were speaking about this morning in Sunday school. You're my first priority, God. You're my only priority, that is when we take faith and command 
in my life, brothers and sisters, when I was so confident and the faith was so filled up in me. By the way, you have all you need. Okay? We, we call out, we need more, we need more. God equipped us. Whatever we, what we need is sufficient. Our problem is we don't tap into it. We don't tap into the faith that God's given us. We, we get distracted. We're, we're really not at our wit's end. We think we got an answer somewhere else. And our faith weakens and it weakens. When my faith was strongest was when I had nowhere else to go. When I had an affliction or I had anxiety that was coming like waves of an ocean and I couldn't stop it no matter what I did. And then I went to the Lord with a persistent prayer that I wasn't going to quit until he answered me or at least gave me an answer, right? Doesn't mean you're always going to get healed, right? Like you said. But we deserve a response. David said that this morning. The Lord always hears us and responds. Otherwise, we wouldn't be a priority to God. Are you with me, brothers and sisters? Do you believe that today? Pray always, Jesus said, and faint not. And Brian said it this morning. Have your heart drawn out continually to the Lord. You want something bad enough? Show the Lord. Show him. With importunity, prayer is a persistent prayer that is actually to the point where we are pestering the Lord. We won't go away until we get an answer. The woman with the issue of blood was not going to go away. Virtue came from the Lord. Praise God.